had someone run a crime report. And someone. all I'll say is that it's drastically went down. Like, it's, drastically. Yeah. And I know you feel safe in State College. You don't lock your doors. It's not because of you. Then who is it? If anybody, it's know. me. We just yeah, sat here yeah, talking. Like that was the first line of defense. You notice how you never had to actually act on anything? <laughs> <laughs> people are afraid of me. God, people be, are afraid, man. I walk downtown. Some, I don't know who it is. And then what? But some strong, light-skinned being is out there protecting the city consistently. He, ta- he talks about the, this person that ran the crime report. Like, he has Alfred living in his apartment. <laughs> like, he's really the Batman. He went on Snapchat and asked his AI. He said, what are the crime rates looking like yeah, this year? Yeah. And they coincidentally have dropped. I know maybe the cameras might not pick it up. Uh-huh. I noticed it. Well, maybe people are noticing it. Maybe it's my bad senses. This guy's got jeans on. Sneakers, no socks on. No socks. I got socks on. No, you don't. I got socks on. No socks, bro. I don't know, man. That's crazy. The leather shoes too. You're feeling the pressure right now. All right, everybody. Big news coming out of the Lions Den podcast. We officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out. Make sure to go cop yours. Link is in the description below. These proceeds help us produce this podcast, bring on A-list guests, and these proceeds also help Penn State NIL as a whole. Go get yours and tag us on social media. We'll give you a shout-out on the pod. Looking forward to seeing you wearing the Lions Den merch exclusively. Big news coming out of state media. October 16th, Champs Downtown, Christian Hackenberg, Brandon Bell, free food, autographs, and many more special guests. The event is completely free. Make sure to come out and check us out. Man, we'd love to meet you. We'll be doing some live shows with some special guests. Be sure to come through to Champs Downtown on the 16th and see us there. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Day podcast here are my guy Nick Dawkins and Nick Hawkins with our guest Tyler Elson. Let's get you let's get it going. Man, special guy to me and Hawk. I don't know if he's as special with Jerry. Um our roommate man, best yeah. friend, um, you know, our hunter, our survivalist. <laughs> yeah. At, speaking of that, just take us into where you were prior to getting the call to come yeah, on this podcast. Yeah. So not too long ago, I was at, I was at the shooting range, just kind of <laughs> getting some shots in, training a little bit, just kind of keeping my aim nice and sharp and steady, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. When you say training, <laughs> yeah, please, let's what get exactly are you training listen, listen, for? It, it, it's a crazy world out there. You never really know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. I don't know what my future is going to hold. I, I thought about law enforcement, so if I go down that road, just kind of being ready for that. But if not, just, you know, want to be able to protect myself. So. And one thing, prior to the Division One looks, prior to the college yeah. recruitment process and football, you had another plan. Yeah, 100%. I was dead set, you know, since I was a kid, always running around playing Army. I was dead set on going in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a plan out. That's kind of when I started getting the firearms and stuff like that, training. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of worked out this way, and I- I'm very happy with it. I think it's a great opportunity, so, you know, <laughs> I get to live with you, so. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> not too bad. Maybe so. now you want to yeah. join the Army a little Yeah. Jerry, you too, Jerry. You were talking about joining uh, the Marines. I never, I never, I never talked about Jerry wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I never felt any safer in my life than I did when I lived in the same house as Tyler Elston. I knew if somebody busted in that door <laughs> and they got past that first floor, then it yeah. was I was in trouble. If they got past Elston's room, I was the first line of defense. For yeah, sure. first I, floor, felt, I felt yeah. confident yeah. in my first line of defense with Elston there. When oh, you got man. a guy that's looking for movie moments. A guy that's prepared yeah. for battle and war at all times, yeah. who's, who's training on the off day for yeah. war, you you have to feel secure in your own home when you got yeah. our body. I mean, that's probably my my issue. I watch way too many war movies constantly. <laughs> you know your top favorite, three, yeah, favorite one. favorite. I think Saver Private Ryan. I think that's all time great, one okay. of the best ever. Number one is that what you're saying? Number one, yeah, Saber yeah. That, it was okay. World War Two. Um, Lone Survivor, I, love that. I watched that with you for the first time. Yeah, I would yeah. say American Sniper too. I like the book a little yeah, better than yeah. the movie. Okay. Um, there's what it's called Enemy at the Gates. It was mm-hmm. uh, about Stalingrad in World War II. I like that one too. So, yeah, there's a bunch out there. Honestly, it's a real war movie guy. We asked for three, he gave us four, and it was yeah. right on the dot. Yeah. He told us which wars they were about. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he knows them all. Come on now. So now I think you know that background though comes from your area and your surrounding, coming from a small yeah. town, um, a town that really has a lot of strong sense of pride in who you are and in this country. You want to take us through growing up in Frackville? Yeah, so Frackville, small, cold region town, not much going on, uh, mm-hmm. just very blue collar. You know, if you're not working in a factory or the coal mines or, you know, a convenience store or something small like that, you kind of got to travel to work. Uh, but a lot of kids I went to high school with, if they didn't go to college, which a lot of kids didn't, mm-hmm. they went in the military or just went right into the workforce. So, you know, coming to Penn State and just having this opportunity, was, it was different. Um, obviously, playing football is a big deal. 
uh, for most people, but for Meyer, it's pretty huge to come here and play at Division One level, especially at Penn State in PA. When's the last time someone from your area has even played um, at a school like this? So we had a couple kids go to FCS level, Villanova, Lafayette, mm-hmm. Lehigh. Um, Gino Capone actually played at Penn State. He was a linebacker. He came from North School, and that was, you know, I'd say early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, you know, it was very, you know, I, I can't really remember. Yeah. I know we had a guy from, like, the 60s that played played in the NFL, but, you know, he's a geezer. You know what I mean? <laughs> I haven't talked to him in— I don't know what a geezer yeah. is. <laughs> he's old. He's old. He's old, but, uh, man. Okay. Somebody say that's what you are right now. Wow. I mean, compared true? to us, yeah, yeah relatively. Yeah. I guess so, I am. And, that, and then, guys, I want you to notice, like that. That just crumbled his whole. Because he knew exactly <laughs> what a geezer is. Because I just said that, and he accepted it. So yeah. I don't. I just want to let that. That's another lie he just told. I just want to tie into that because he knew exactly what it was, and he just, you know. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go back, guys, and that's what you were referring to. Yeah. So that's kind of like military is just always something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. <laughs> I just I started at a young age. Um, actually, my mom met this guy at her job the one time who was talking about a secure, security job. His name was Ed. Um, invited me out to go shooting. First time I went shooting, and I fell in love with it. And just mm-hmm. ever since, stayed in touch with him, but also just kind of stayed in touch with, you know, myself in terms of, you know, that military mindset. But really just kind of the Second Amendment, if you will, and just, you know, wouldn't be able to protect myself and my family and stuff like that. Just a strong belief of mine. Is there a world in which Tyler Elzing is done playing linebacker and he goes and joins the military? I would say yes, but the thing is, um, I just know, like, I never just, like, can take credit away from people that actually do it. Mm-hmm. I, I have so much respect for those guys, and I know personally, you know, at, at this point in my life, uh, playing college football, that wear and tear on your body, uh, that's, that's for one. And yeah. two, you know, relationships, friendships, and timing of your life and just kind of moving forward. I think that's probably in the, you know, rearview mirror at this point. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have so much respect for those guys. So, yeah, maybe in a different life. Yeah, I, Real quick, let's circle back. You mentioned there's really not a whole lot of guys from your area who have played at this level of football. Talk to me about what it's like when you're back home. I know you just went to your high school's football game this yeah. past weekend. Is there a lot of love there? Is there a lot of community that you feel rallying around you? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, just being able to walk at a, at a high school football game, just have little kids kind of recognize who I am and, and teachers in the stands just kind of going out of their way just to say hi and stuff like that. It's a pretty big deal, um, and I kind of forget about it sometimes until I actually go home. I always say it's an ego boost, you know, just kind of feel like down, and you go back home and, like, so many people support you and you realize, like, you know, you're doing something that a lot of people maybe want to do or wish to do and just couldn't yeah, do it. Man. So uh, it's super special. And I have so much support from back home. And, you know, I'm just very fortunate to be in this position. And, Jerry, now you hear him coming from, like, a smaller town perspective. Mm-hmm. You're from a pretty big city. You actually had to get a new phone because of what's going on <laughs> with you. What's the difference, do you think, with, like, how, you, how you're represented in your city where you're coming from? Uh, actually, like, Milwaukee, like, it's not really a big city. It's really small. Like, most people, like, mm-hmm. around here, when I first got here, they didn't even know where I was from, what Milwaukee was. They thought, like, Wisconsin was just all, like, pretty much farms and everything, which mm-hmm. that's not the truth. But... I definitely feel where Elgin's coming right. from. Yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of truth. No, it's, it's, I swear there's, it's not. There's a lot of truth to that, I think. It's not. Yeah. Trust me. But, right. no, nah, like, well, uh, I, feel, I, I definitely relate to what Elgin's talking about simply because, like, coming from a small area, like, a lot, not a lot of people that I play with got a chance to come to play for a D1, like, mm-hmm. Division One school or just have the opportunity that I have. So I do definitely take advantage for every opportunity that I get here. So, mm. yeah. Now, Elgin. We, we talk about playing high school ball, playing in the cold region ball, yeah. playing in your mud bowl. <laughs> Do you think there's like a strong change of competition playing in the cold region, playing in those games <laughs> as compared to playing now at Penn State, your first practice and everything like yeah. that? Yeah. No, it, it's definitely different. Um, I will say the guys back home, the cold region, tough. Tough, okay, man, I, tougher than $2 <laughs> steaks. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, um, no, it's definitely different. You know, like – there was a lot of kids from my school going to Division One. I. I don't think I played a kid that went to Division One school in high school. Maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the competition was definitely different. So coming here, you know, the speed of the game, um, the size of the athletes, just kind of the coaching, the fundamentals. There was, there was a lot that I thought I knew that I actually didn't know. So it was super eye-opening. But, uh, you know, I think 
the way I played in high school, though, just like I said, like that blue-collar toughness, playing in mud bowls, not really caring, just going out and having fun, um, that's what got me here in the first place was just having fun and just playing with the guys and, you know, loving the guys you play with, you know, just being super tight-knit. Um, that's something I always say, like, the kids I played with in high school, I played with since I was four years old. Mm-hmm. So four years old to, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, they're the same guys. So, like, just being able to have a chemistry like that was super special. And that's something now that I try to display in the locker room now and try to get close with the guys and kind of build that camaraderie and, you know, push ourselves toward championship team. Glue guy, Tyler Elson, man, on a very serious note. I do want to ask you, I mean, not playing against Division One talent realistically in high school, was there a moment when you got here, whether it was practice or maybe your first game action, where you remember thinking to yourself, honey, we're not in <laughs> the cold region anymore? Yeah, no, I had a few moments like that. I think at practice, the first, like, welcome to college football was Mike Mennett when he was here. Mm. We are doing one-on-one pass rush, uh, just an indie drill during practice, mm-hmm. and he, he was the center. So it was one-on-one, first time I went against him, and it was the first time I felt like man strength. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember Coach Pry was here at the time. He goes, damn. <laughs> After I just, on my back, laying on top of me, 320 pounds on top of me, I was like, holy crap. Like, I never felt that. So mm. it was, I think that was it. First game playing against Illinois during COVID. You finally get to play, running down on kickoff in the last game of the year. Tight end out of nowhere smokes me. I'm like running in the air. I get hit. I'm still running in the air. So I had a few moments, you know. Um, I hate to say it, but even now, going on year four, I still have moments. Yeah. You know, I think every athlete, especially mm-hmm. at this level, like you're playing against guys that are dudes. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be beat sometimes. And I never got beat really in high school. And then when I did, it was rare. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They could kind of push it off on something else. Like, oh, it's like slip. Yeah, college football now, especially at this mm-hmm. level, like it is, it's displayed for everyone to see, um, which could be challenging in its own way. You know, you got you got fans chirping at you and stuff like that, but it also kind of humbles you. So it just kind of pushes you to work work harder. So yeah, I've had a few moments. So I mean, you bring up some fair points. though. first of all, every college athlete, whether or not the public realizes or sees it or not, it catches every one of them. Every single one of them is getting beat yeah. on on snaps. And if you're not watching film, you can miss that. When you are getting beat, when a fan does have something to say to you, when you go through some of that adversity, what has allowed you to stay the course and keep pushing towards those goals? You know, just really leaning on the guys that you go to war with every day. You know, there's going to be times you're, like, down on yourself or you miss a play or you're having a rough patch of practices and camp gets hard and winter workouts get hard. And just kind of having guys that are going through the same thing as you and have a proper understanding of, what, like, what's actually going on. Um, and just really focusing on them and yourself and trying to block out the noise and, you know, just finding ways to get better. I think if you yeah. make it about yourself, make it about the team, and just focus on that, you'll be in a good spot. And that's a humble point you bring up. When you were talking about you still have moments of welcome to college football moments and everything like that going on year four. I mean, it's an intricate world we live in. Like, you make a mistake on TV, you got people tweeting about it, calling oh, your yeah. names, everything like that. Imagine if we took... Our talents to someone's <laughs> job, and you didn't turn in. Yeah. You didn't turn in your <laughs> paperwork on time. Yeah. Now we're tweeting at you. Look at John again. <laughs> How are you personally dealing with social media? People tweeting at you. Yeah. You know. You know. I mean, we know you like you have to deal with stuff like that. How are you dealing with it this season as compared to the past? Yeah, it's it's kind of tough. The first two years, I didn't even think anything of it. I wasn't really on the field. And last year, just kind of playing. You know, snaps elevate. You kind of hear some good, and then it's kind of like a you get a little adrenaline, a little rush, a little mm-hmm. fix from it. And you're like, man, I kind of want to see more people talk about all the good things going on that I'm doing. And then mm-hmm. the moment you start seeing some bad, it's like, man, does everybody think this? And then you start questioning yourself. And mm-hmm. then it compiles. And then it starts affecting you on the field. And you start playing worse. So something I did, especially this year, um, I just got rid of Twitter. Like completely. Mm-hmm. I haven't had Twitter this, this, this whole season. Um, because I always saw myself looking at the good things. But also seeing the bad things, and I was just going up and down too much, and I was kind of losing focus. So, you know, everybody handles it differently. But I think social media, especially today, it's it's hard to ignore. And really, mm-hmm. the only way to ignore it is if you get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Jerry, yeah, I definitely you with any of that. No, I really never had to deal with like Twitter. I, I know y'all know that like, I was a Twitter monster yeah. <laughs> back in high school, but I put that in my past because that was young Jerry talking. <laughs> oh yeah, we're yeah. talking to old Gerald now. He's talking to the more mature Jerry right now. Mm-hmm. And there's no more uh, give me the 8K followers. <laughs> that, was, that was out of the pocket. You secure the 8K followers, you're good I'm now. I'm going to have to go yeah. back and see that. Uh, no, I, I used to post some crazy stuff on Twitter, bro. Like, 
I look back on it, I'm like, yo, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> when you're young, you never think about that stuff. Yeah, I'll just, yeah. I'll yeah. just pull up a clip of like, I need like a screen recording of some <laughs> of old don't tweets. Do oh, they're definitely there. They're yeah, definitely there. You can definitely find them. Still there. I didn't yeah. have, um, you know, obviously I didn't, I wasn't playing, but I didn't have fans tweeting at me very often. The only, there was one group of fans though, at least once every couple months. That would remind me that they were pissed at me. And the Cincinnati Bearcat fans who were mad that I came to Penn State and not (laughs) Cincinnati, like by year two or three, would like watch the Penn State games and peep that I wasn't in the game. (laughs) It was to start tweeting at me like, (laughs) added me as Hawkins, you bum. (laughs) 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 You should have came to Cincy. Uh, But whatever, man. But honestly, it doesn't even have to be directed to to you. You know what I mean? I always called it rat poison. I know Coach Franklin, I think, said that before. My, My high school coach actually started me on it. About the newspapers. The newspapers, big mile, like area now. Yeah. yeah. Like every like Friday, you know, Friday you night still football. Read oh my god. So is the milkman. In case you guys were wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like if you see other people succeed yeah. or other people lose, and people getting drafted and guys leaving and people that you're roomed with, like I, I was with PJ. You know, I was with you too. Yep. And PJ's like playing. He's in the league now. And like all these guys and people in my class left and transferred. There's a lot going on. So you just really got to find a way to focus on yourself. Yeah. It doesn't have to be people, like, attacking you. Yep. It could really be you attacking you, you know what I mean? For if, sure. If you allow things to kind of, you know, get inside you. So. And most of it, pause, most of us, like, <laughs> <laughs> most, I mean, most of us are our toughest, great, toughest critics, <laughs> right? <laughs> most of us are our toughest critics, right? Yeah. So when we see other people looking at our situations and, making statements about stuff that we didn't even notice in our game, like criticizing stuff that probably isn't even really a flaw or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But they're they're like like my big thing, I remember Elza was with me when we were um freshmen, like mid year freshmen, they I forget what um source it was, like probably like Blue Shoes Diary or Black Shoes Diary <laughs> or something like that. It was like it was a bunch. putting it was like uh, rating how each freshman will do in their like Penn State career. Mm. And it was like starter, NFL um, role like a rotational and yep. death provider, yep. and it was like three guys, right? Yep. <laughs> were three guys that provided each individual one. I remember we're, we're going through. It's like Elvis, and it's like potential starter, da da da. Then like one guy's like death provider, like then it's like Moba. It's like starter death provider. Oh, mine is all three were like death providers, <laughs> death providers. I'm like, yo, yeah. I was sick to my stomach. I'm like 17. I'm like, yeah. man, they don't know Doc, man. They don't know me. <laughs> Start doing push ups <laughs> in your room. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I'm like, they don't know. I'm doing yeah. push ups in my room, bro. I'm David Goggins. And like, it could be motivated. It yeah. really yeah, can be. And are you going to turn it into a purpose? Or are you going to turn it into something that you know deteriorates you? But yep. just like anything, over time, when it continues to add on and build on you, you're not getting positive feedback when you're putting so much in. It starts to take a toll, not on your physical health, but mainly your mental health and, like, yeah. how are you preparing? Who are you? How are you feeling about yourself and everything yeah. like that? So I think so, – and it'd be the most random stuff seeing out there, too. I don't even be looking for it. I used to – after the games, I'd be, like, looking myself up, like, yo, I wonder if anyone you – know, I think everybody's been there. Yeah, yeah. you got – bro, on like, Twitter, like – that's a big thing, like, just college ball anyway. <laughs> like, like, a lot of players can – like, mm-hmm. their confidence is ruined from the social media. Just even, like, from them being so hard on themselves. Like, me personally, I'm hard on myself, mm-hmm. so I, under, I definitely understand, like, where L's are coming from or where, you know, other college athletes are coming from. Like, it kind of get hard for you to be like, man, it's like, what I'm doing, doing, how, is it working? Is it right? Like, is it going to get me better? So, definitely, like, you know, just cutting out social media, that's the biggest thing because that, all that negative energy, that, that ain't, that's not good for you at all. And we always come back to this recurring theme of what do you do outside of football? What are your hobbies? What do you do to get your mind off of the game because it's so prevalent in our lives? Yeah. So now I know that, I mean, I lived with you all these years, and you've done random things like jumping in the old, like, cold uh, ice lakes and stuff but like you, that. You got to slow that down and break it down. Yeah. I was there that day. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we might have been. <laughs> so which, which we're crazy. We're all downstairs at our, at our apartment. It's me, Dog, Elzin, PJ may have been with us. Yeah. We live with yeah. him, too. This is the dead of winter. It is like January or February. We're all mm-hmm. sitting down. It's, winter workouts? Was it? it was yeah, winter, winter workouts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's late. We're like watching TV. And Elzin comes out of his room and sits down. And Elzin is one of the most dramatic people I've ever met. He sits down. He lets out a big sigh. He's like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is we got to work out at 4 a.m. tomorrow. So you yeah. can do it tomorrow. He's like, no, nah, I need to do something now. He gets up. He drives to a lake. Yep. Cuts a hole in the ice. This is winter I didn't time. cut. I didn't. No, no. <laughs> this is where the stories get out of hand. Okay, so what happened the So how did you break the ice? No, so it started. That Most of that was accurate. Okay. But it started, I saw a video of Khabib 
You know, when he was swimming in, like, swimming against the, the river. He had the river. The so Russian like, UFC champion. So I was like, all right, this guy's a fighter, man. This guy is putting his life on the line for his sport. I just kind of felt like I was missing something. So, like, obviously, winter workouts are hard. We're working our butt off. And I just kind of, you know, you got to connect with yourself in a different way. So I kind of saw that. And once I get something in my head, it's kind of hard to drop. So I went to a lake. There's actually a runoff because the whole lake was frozen. I kind of thought I'd be able to punch through it, but it was probably six inches thick. So you did time. try to get I through did, but it. Was, it was, <laughs> so I wasn't that off. <laughs> it was frozen, frozen. So I saw a runoff, so the water's moving. The water doesn't freeze. You know, it's getting dark out. Kind of look around. No one's around. So I just hop in. So just kind of give yourself. It wasn't in there long. It wasn't crazy. But, like, it was a primitive feeling, just really connecting with myself and just kind of showing myself, like, hey, like, one, I could do hard things. And two, if I tell myself I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I think that was really the strength of it. So Listen, man, <clears throat> I respect it. I'll never understand it, <laughs> hey, but I respect it nonetheless. No, it's, it, it was definitely a different experience. Mm. I, I don't go around telling everybody that because people <laughs> probably think I'm a little weird, but it is what it is. Well, it's, so. I mean, honestly, though, in 2023, like I get on TikTok – it's David Goggins' videos. Mm, it's yes. Jocko. It's starting yeah. to become more and more of a conversation point. This extreme lifestyle of doing yeah. things like jumping in frozen lakes and what do we say? Shock the body. Gotta shock the body. Yeah. Winter workouts. Wake up 4 a.m. Where am I? What am I doing? Why did I just drink a gallon of water? Shock the body. <laughs> Get in the tub. Chuck Losey. Get yeah. your piss hot. Shock the body. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Cracker Barrel breakfast right afterwards. Shock the <laughs> body. Everything. Everything. Every time, yeah, man, dude. It adds up. It adds up for but, sure. Hey, real, but real note, though, like oh, some of the greatest athletes, and when you hear about athletes that just excel in general, they always have, they do something weird or that, that is perceived as weird. They do something crazy. Like you look at Kobe. Kobe's story wouldn't be as, um, like, I don't think people would be into it as much if they're like, yo, he's got a thousand free throws up before the game. Like, he's doing things that, that yeah. other people aren't willing to do. Yeah. And I think athletes, we always try to look and find something out of our bubble, out of our, like, sport to try to get the edge on people. Yep. I know a big thing from, like, D-Lyman and O-Lyman, we did a lot this uh, offseason was boxing mm-hmm. and working hands at Lombard MMA and stuff like that. And I think a lot of us, like, I know me, Hawk, and Elzen, I don't know if you're into it right. as much, but, like, we watch tons of, like, mixed martial arts. Yeah, and yeah, a lot, yeah. Lots of UFC and, like, we study the greats, man. Study like Ali, study Frazier, Liston. Like we're we're looking at those guys and trying to find things that they did that set them apart and implement mm-hmm. it into our That's sport. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Doc, what is your edge then? You talk about gaining that edge. What that is yours? Edge. Have you found it? Well, there's two things. I have an alter ego. <laughs> what is that? Who That's Doc. That? There's Nick Dawkins, the mm-hmm. presentable young man, state college doing community deeds, politicking with the locals, talking about the infrastructure. How can we improve it? <laughs> Then there's Doc. Is Doc Batman? The Cape Crusader. Is he, is he Batman? <laughs> there's a lot of speculation going on if I truly am the Batman of State College. I'm not going to answer that. I don't think that's proper to address on this podcast. <laughs> but I, it's interesting. I had um, one of my, uh, I had someone run, run a crime report on uh, the crime rate in State College <laughs> since yeah. I've arrived here. And Someone. all I'll say is that it's drastically went down, like it's, drastically. Yeah. And I know you feel safe in State College. You don't lock your doors. It's not because of you. Then who is it? If anybody, it's know. me. We just yeah, sat here yeah, and talked. That was the first line of defense. You notice how you never had to actually act on anything? <laughs> <laughs> People are afraid of me. God, People because, are afraid, man. I walked downtown. I don't know who it is. And then what? But some strong, light-skinned being in a cape is out there protecting the city consistently. I need to see this. I didn't probably see won't, him. Like, probably you won't. He, talk, he talks about the, this person that ran the crime report. Like, he has Alfred living in his apartment. <laughs> like, he's really the Batman. He went on Snapchat and asked his AI. He said, How, what are the crime rates looking like yeah. this year? Yeah. And they coincidentally have dropped. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah, I don't believe bad. in coincidence. I think everything happens for a reason, and everything is correlated in some which mm. way. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. I want to ask you, Elsa, about <laughs> – let's, let's talk LBU. Yeah. Um, you have the unique perspective of having played a long time for both Pry and Manny Diaz. Yep. You, you kind of split down the middle with them. How has how have you seen LBU continue to to strive forward? Guys like yourself, Kobe, uh, Abdul, and Kurt, especially that unit is impressive. You guys play hard. What does LBU mean to you as a PA kid? Yeah, it's super special. Like you said, I was here with Coach Pry, um, and he kind of really introduced me to LBU and what it stands for. And coming in with Jesse Lucetta, Brandon Smith. Um, Parsons was here in the winter. I don't know if he remembers me, <laughs> but I remember him. Uh, just guys like that. Lance Dixon, he transferred to West Virginia. We had a, a group 
a good group of guys, for sure. So um, just coming in, just kind of showing, like, Coach Price showing me, like, hey, this is how you work. This is what you got to do. This is the sacrifices you got to make and stuff like that. And then just seeing guys like Paul Pazlesny pulling up at a game. Now Dan Connor being a part of the staff. Uh, Guys that I looked up to when I was young, being from PA, watching Penn Penn State football. So uh, it means a lot to me. Um, And and just having a tradition like that and just kind of having a standard like that really kind of holds you Hold you to a standard. Um, you can't. You can't fail. Or you have this fear of failing. Um, and something Coach Diaz talks about. You got to when you play ball. You got to be afraid to mess up for the guys you're on the field with. Like you can't let the guys you're on the field like down. You can't let them down. So being a part of like LBU, I kind of feel like if I play poorly or if I perform poorly, I'm letting down the tradition. Yeah. So I think I think it's a good thing. There's added pressure, but you know, like you said, the guys we have in the room now. I came in with Kurt, Abdul's younger guy, Kobe's a younger guy stepping up. We got Keon Wiley, Tamir, everybody in the room, Tony Rojas, these guys, like, people know who they are because we bring a standard and people look at us like, hey, what are the LBs going to do this year? So, you know, just being able to push each other and just kind of build off each other and just grow stronger and grow closer, it's been super special. I'm, I love it. I love yeah. being a part of it. Write this down, dog. Pressure is a privilege. Hmm. Pressure is a privilege. privilege. No, for sure. I love that. Wait, why did I have to write that down? <laughs> you are, you <laughs> always have the quotes. Yeah, yeah why, am I, the quotes. I, why am I the guy that has to write that down? Yeah. Why aren't you writing that down? <laughs> That's Mike, your success. What did he say, Jerry? He said, you either apply pressure or you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say about I'm doing over here? Are you saying I'm feeling I mean, I'll pressure? say this. I know maybe the cameras might not pick it up. Uh-huh. I noticed it. Most maybe people aren't noticing it. Maybe it's my bad senses. This guy's got jeans on. Sneakers with no socks on. Yo, got no socks, socks on. I got socks on. No, you don't. I got no, you don't. On. Oh, no socks, bro. I don't know, man. man. That's crazy. Uh, that's the that's leather low, shoes, too. Low low for so you're, no, feeling, low. you're feeling the pressure right now. So I just in all seriousness, we might as well just go ahead and tell this story now. So I've been in State College. I normally, I don't live here anymore. I come into town, right, for this show with my guys. It's a great time. I came up this weekend to spend some time with my girl. And I lost my key. I have no clue where the keys to my car are. (laughs) No locksmiths have been able to help me. So if you're watching this show and you can cut a key for a 2009 Kia Optima, (laughs) leave a comment below. Because you're right. I don't have socks on. My jeans are a little tight. But these are literally the only clothes that aren't locked in the backseat of my car right now. So I guess that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. No one said anything about You shouldn't lose your key, but it's fair. No doubt. You shouldn't lose your key. No one said anything about the tightness of your jeans. You brought that up independently. (laughs) (laughs) You might have lost that. Hey, good note, though. The comments, we appreciate all the support that you guys have been putting on. And, like, we're finding guys. Like, you guys are talking about who you want to see. We really Mm -hmm. appreciate that, what you want to hear. And a lot of things that some people are touching on is the adversity aspect of it, overcoming adversity. And I know you're a guy. I mean, I live with you, one of my best friends. You've overcame a lot of adversity, not just, like, before Penn State, but even during your career. Do you want to touch on any of that? Yeah, so, I mean, it kind of started when I was, you know, young. Mm-hmm. Um, I was adopted, just kind of going through foster care, and just kind of how all that worked out. Um, I was fortunate enough to be placed in a foster home when I was two that I ended up, you know, I'm, a, I'm adopted to now. Uh, when I was 18, I was able to go to court and kind of do everything as a, an adult and, you know, I guess sign my rights to them or however that works, legality-wise, but... Um, so kind of started, you know, it was weird growing up different. Like I have two brothers, they're adopted from other families as well. Uh, it's a little different dynamic, but honestly kind of prepared me for, for college life and, and just life in general, because there's always different kids coming in, um, foster kids that needed home. Maybe it was a week, maybe it was a month, maybe it was a year. Um, so I just different, you know, different backgrounds. So it was, it was a good life though. Like I was very fortunate. Some people, you know, get stuck in foster care and bounce house to house. That wasn't me. Um, I was lucky and it was super good. And then, you know, coming here, um, kind of working through high school football, all that stuff went well. Um, one of my best friends, senior night in high school, um, had a traumatic neck injury, uh, mm-hmm. broke his neck, making a tackle, um, was paralyzed waist down. And that was my best friend just kind of working through that. And that was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super difficult. Um, playing the game I love and then seeing one of my brothers, my best friends, just kind of go down playing it. There's some question. Yeah. You know, is this game really worth it? But, you know, having a guy like that go through all that, fight through all that, um, still fighting to this day, but always saying, like, I've never changed a thing. He's like, I love playing with you guys and, and you know, all that is super special. So, you now I was in high school. When I get here, um, it was difficult. I think everybody here, like, mm-hmm. when you're a freshman, you have, you have a hard time. Yeah, um, man. 
it's different. You know, you're talking to new people, you're living on your own, you're going to class, Penn State, you're walking around campus with 50,000 people. It's, it could be overwhelming at times. Um, but having guys like you, you, like guys on the team, best friends, like it made it, it, made it easier. Um, knock on wood, like I haven't had many injuries. Last year I had one, I guess, in four years. One's not terrible when you no, look at college no. sports, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of set me back. That was the first time I really had something major happen. Um, it was challenging, but just leaning on the right guys kind of got me through it. But, you know, it's adversity is good. If you're not facing adversity, you're not really doing something significant. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. Like, if you're living a perfect, smooth life, yep. like, you're not doing anything no that's worthwhile. There's, yeah. no, there's no growth in comfort. Yeah. No, no, exactly, exactly. So, you know, I kind of accept adversity. I kind of, like, welcome it in some ways, and mm-hmm. I kind of welcome the challenges. You know, that's going back to, like, going into cold water. Yep. Like, it's not fun. It's not nice. But... You know, to grow and be a dominant man, be a dominant, like, success, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. you got to go through hard stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy that, uh, you know, I had an injury. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a better man now and a better player. So, you know, it, it's tough. But, you know, adversity is a big part of it, but it's been good. And that injury life, man, that's dark days. And you yeah. had to deal with that as a freshman. Yes. Man, take me, well, how were you feeling? How did you get through that mental space? Because that's, that's dark times. Man, for me, like everybody know, like when I'm around the locker room, I'm always keeping a good attitude, always smiling, mm-hmm. always talking, everybody always happy. So for me, like deep down inside, I was just like, man, I, you know, I missed my my freshman year is over with. I'm out for four months, but I tried not to let that affect my how I interact with others in the locker room. I tried to still keep a positive attitude, still like smile and talk to everybody, and then it just made me like really appreciate the game when you when the game is taken away from you. Like sometimes I feel like you get you take it for granted, like how much of a privilege it is for you to be able to play this sport. And for me, like me being hurt and not for four months, my freshman year when I was like really didn't get get a chance to even play, that really like it, it kind of made me hungrier, you know, mm-hmm. than I ever was before because I really like sat down and was like, man, like this game you don't you shouldn't take it for granted. So mm-hmm. you know. And I can't stress this enough: mentality, mentality, mentality. And you know. I study stoicism. You know, that's the art of understanding. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And Elson, I know you're a stoic yourself, and you have a, like a killer mentality, I would say. You have a gladiator warrior mentality. What do you think that was instilled into you? How do you think you portrayed that on the football field? Well, instilled in me? Uh, I think a lot of it's just kind of genetics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just got to meet one of my blood cousins for the first time not too long ago. Uh, jiu-jitsu fighter, Tom DeBlass. Uh, you know, he he had some in the Bellator and UFC and stuff like that, and he had schools. And, you know, first time I met him, it was like a guy with like, my blood in him. Um, he just talked like a warrior, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this guy, like, he has the same mindset as me. So I feel like there's parts of it that's like it is who you are. And I think athletes in general, football players, are are born different. It's tough. You don't, Like, you get to hit people. You're physical. It's constant, like, pain, agony. But you, like, desire it. You crave mm-hmm. it. So I think that takes a different person, but, you know, just understanding who you are as a person. Like, if I look at myself as, like, a warrior on the field, or if I could get through anything that, like, life throws at me, when I'm on the field, it's just play hard, play, like, reckless abandon is what I call it, and just, like, you don't really care about your body. You just Mm -hmm. care about winning. And I think any athlete that has that, like, it's a beautiful thing because, like, it helps you win, it helps you succeed. But it's also it could be like your demise. So it's just kind of finding a balance and like understand like, hey, you might be able to do all this, but sometimes you got to gear it down a little bit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, we talk about a dog mentality, your family, your bloodline, having that same dog mentality. And right now you've got the vehicle of football to pour that into, right? But one thing we've talked about on this pod before is that this is really bigger than football and it's about life. And those same principles yeah. and that dog mentality and being a warrior – are things that are transferable to real life in different ways. Have you started to creatively think about different ways you can continue to sharpen that skill set and that mindset? Well, I think it's going from a sport to life. It kind of transitions. you got to be able to transition how you attack things. So like, when you have a family, when you have kids, like when you have kids, that's when you're actually going to be a man, right? Yeah. Like That's mm-hmm. the first time you're going to be like, holy crap, i got to provide for someone because if I don't, they're going to die. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like looking at stuff like that is like, if I'm going to be, and say I'm a man now and a warrior now, like when real life stuff comes, like I think we're just going to be prepared. 
because we've been through the personal warfare. We've been through the collective team warfare on the field. So I think this all just helps us. Now, <laughs> the transition's not necessarily clear. You know what I mean? Like right. a lot of people struggle when they step off that field and it's different. You're not in the locker room. You're not with the same guys. Mm-hmm. You're not every day a collective mindset and goal. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I kind of fear like that's that's going to be challenging for me. You know, if you get a job, like there might be guys that aren't as motivated as you. There might be guys that are just complacent with their position, but you want to grow. So I think getting out of here, the biggest thing is really just going to be like going from a team to kind of be a little more selfish. Yeah. Um, I, and I feel like that might be challenging. I don't yeah. know if you guys see it the mm-hmm. same way. You've got to be a little selfish. Obviously, you still care for people, and you're going to provide for people and you know, wives and girlfriends, all that stuff, and family members, but it's a cutthroat world at the end of the day. You've got to be a little selfish, and I think that's going to be the hardest transitional piece for me. <clears throat> and Hawk, as you transition now really into the real world, what do you think is one of the advantages you have on other people, other people in your situation that want your spot? I think if you play college football <laughs> long enough, if you are a uh, a guy that takes football seriously long enough. You don't even have to play college. If you really are embodying that mindset, that dog mentality in high school even, I just feel like I know how to endure. Like, mm-hmm. I know how to battle. Like, I'm not going to, you know, you, it's no guarantee that you'll win at everything you do. You know, transitioning to the, the business side now, I go into a lot of meetings learning. I, I'm not on the same level as people who have been in that space for 10, 15, 20 years from a knowledge perspective, but what I know is they're not tougher than I am, and I'll sit in this. I'll get you'll get off that treadmill before I do. Like it's that simple. And really, you know, I think anybody that plays football long enough should have that instilled in them to mm-hmm. some degree. Yeah. And the question becomes, okay, now now the football's done, and you're not doing something that maybe you're as passionate about. Or are you still going to be the same guy? Mm-hmm. That's why when Coach Franklin says, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like that's not to me just small talk. The same guys I played with in high school and college or whatever who were lazy then and struggled with work ethic and struggled with doing the right things are still struggling with them now. Yeah. But it's not cute because now you're 25, you're not 19. And you mm-hmm. don't have coaches who care about you. Real life, you know, it's not like that. You may run into the special people who want to mentor you and help you grow and sharpen your skills. But, you know, if you're a guy playing football still, whether high school or college, understand that you're not always going to have people handholding you and trying to get you to get better and teammates who have your back. That's not real life. At some point, you know, those training wheels are coming off and we're going to find out who you are pretty quick. I feel like college football, like, it's like it does a great job with just preparing you for the real world. Like Coach Frank going to talk a lot about, like, like you said, like, Growth. There's no. There's no growth and comfort. Like, as a man, you have to go through hard things to, to be able to endure. Like, you know, the effects of adversity and other things. Like, we look at, like the hard things. Football, like practice. You got winter workouts. You got summer workouts. Like all that stuff is hard. It's stuff that regular people cannot do. You put a regular person in what we do every day, they won't be able to do it. Which I feel like, like after we get in the real world, we'll be able to endure not being able to say we want to make a certain amount of money at some point. We might, we can wait, you know, because we got patience. You got hard work. You got a good work ethic. So I just feel like college ball teach you a lot of life lessons as well as football lessons because, like you just said, you won't get your hand held throughout the real world and real life. So I feel like college football definitely teaches you that, which which just like how you approach every day. Like you got to approach every day. Even when when you're tired, you got to come in ready to work. The real world, like when you're tired, you still have to go to work. You still have to be your best at all times. So I feel like college football does a great job of, you know, teaching you those lessons. Man, that's been one of the greatest factors, I think, in college football for me is, um, firstly, you're being asked to do things that you don't even think you can do. Yeah. You come in mid-year. Let's say you graduate. So me and Elson, we graduated high school early, came in, right? And winter workouts was one of our first things, that, like first, first thing, tasks. <laughs> first thing. Yeah, crazy, first man. tasks. That, and you know, yeah. everyone knows when you're doing something – you're a freshman coming in. You ask the old guys, like, yo, how is it? They're like, nah, you're not ready. And now I'm even more concerned. Full panic mode. Full panic mode is fully launched. And um, you're like, I don't know. I can do it. I don't man. What am I going to do? How am I going to prepare? We're, we're drinking, like, 20 bottles of water trying to get right. Man, drinking Can't body sleep armor. the night before. <laughs> you're just sleep. thinking about it constantly. Yeah. It was brutal. Dude, and, and then you do it. You're like, hmm, that wasn't that bad. Get through it. 
Now it's spring ball. You're like, ooh. They're like, ah, oh, man, spring ball. Ah. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then you do it, and you keep getting over it. And I feel like that's what life is, is a bunch of uncertainties that you turn into certainties yep. that you understand you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And this kind of jumps up, jump starts us into those tasks that we get into physically, but also mentally. That's the biggest part um, of winter workouts for us in the off-season training. Summer workouts are, in, are tough on the body. Winter workouts are tough on the body. Right. But it's tougher on the mind. Yep, Are sure. you mentally tough enough to get through that rep and now let your brothers down? Mm-hmm. But it correlates. Are you tough enough in the fourth quarter to move your man out of the way so the running back can score a touchdown and we win the game? Mm-hmm. It yep. cor- it, and it correlates. Tire pool. Now you're up. Now you just you just did a whole winter workout. You just did yeah, all them bro. gassers. <laughs> you can't even tell. You can't tell. You're a stateless man. You don't know where you're at. Right. And now go pull the tire against him. Who's more oh, of a man? Man. man? Right. Who's tougher? Yes. Oh man. And it correlates. It's everything. No, for sure. It definitely correlates. It I know. De- for me, I'm sorry to cut you off, but for me, like my mindset that for anything that I learned, because like, <laughs> like you said, the first time it's. You're beating yourself up. You're asking yourself all these questions. But realistically, the hardest thing to do is to start. Mm-hmm. Like, I started saying that myself, um, getting on their squat bar. Because, man, you look at that weight, you got 400, 500 pounds on the bar, and you're like, man, that's going to mm-hmm. crush me. Yeah. But then you sit there and you think, like, dude, once it's on your back, it's time to go. Is the that- hardest thing to do is get on the bar. Yep. The hardest thing in life is to start. Once you start, you get the wheels going, your body starts getting loose, you start mm-hmm. playing, you start having fun, you start like, hey. I could do this. And once you can convince yourself you could do it, it just starts rolling. Yep. And you start rolling, then you start like pushing yourself more. And then you look around at people and like you either see people excel in front of you and you're like trying to chase them down. And then you see people behind you and you're like, man, yep. I'm beating these guys. Yep. Whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally, like I, I think that's something that I, I carry with myself. Like whether it's in a classroom, whether it's in on the field, the weight room, like just start, man. Yep. Once you start, you give yourself a chance, like you'll be surprised what you could do. In in a world full of people who don't really have real confidence. Like, I'm not talking, and a generation, more specifically, mm-hmm. a generation, young people who don't have real confidence. I'm not talking about the people who get on social media and post whatever to make it seem like they're confident or post convenient lyrics and make it look like they're confident. Like, I'm talking about the guys in this world who are really confident are the ones who continuously put themselves, you talk about winter workouts and spring ball mm-hmm. and things you don't know that you can do, and then you just keep coming out of it alive and a little bit better, and alive, and a little bit better. And then eventually you get to the point where you realize, yo, I may not be perfect, I may not be where I want to be, but I have not challenged myself one time and not come out of it better or healthy. Like, that's really the the reality of it. Like, you got to put yourself in positions where you have no choice but to compete. Like, you talk about that moment where you have 600 pounds on your back. Yeah. And, like, I can literally remember a summer workout. I had not squatted all summer. <laughs> I walk in the weight room. I there look is. at the card on max squat. <laughs> and there's 540 pounds in the bar. And Losi looks at me and says, let's go, beast. <laughs> I had not yeah, squatted at all. I remember literally praying, crying, and taking smelling salts and getting under the bar <laughs> and literally um, looking for divine intervention. Like, yeah, I cannot yeah. do this. But that's, that's, wild. that's how you grow and you become a more confident person. Me and Elson talk about this all the time. Truthfully, I think we're old souls for the most part. Just everyone right now on this panel, on this podcast, it's really, in our generation, it's really not that hard to be successful. And I know it may sound, come across as arrogant or come across as ignorant to people's situations and everything like that, but anything I've ever really wanted to do and I looked at it as a need, a necessity, it's never stopped me. I've always gotten what I wanted yeah. when I put the work in, when I, when I really set my mind to it. Everything's accomplishable. Yep. And um, when you surround yourself with like-minded people like that, it's even easier to accomplish. Like with Jerry, right? So Jerry's big into fashion design and stuff, and we're talking about, yeah, we should start a clothing brand. We should do this. We do that. He, he had one that he had done in high school. He wanted to upgrade it. And we're like, why don't we just do it? Put the tools into it and got it done, and it just gets done. Yeah. When you have guys that just put their hard hat on and just show up and do it, and I and the the point I'm making is that's I think that's who you are, not yeah. just as a football player, but as a person. Yeah. You consistently show up, mm-hmm. you do what's asked of you, and when your number's called, you're there. And I think that's why you're a good soldier, a good player yeah. when it comes down to it, because I think you approach it as a soldier. You yeah. you approach the game as a soldier. You. You, yeah. you think that's always been you, or do you think that's something that you're still growing on now? Yeah, I mean, there's always room to grow. Um, but I, I feel like my dad always said, <laughs> for football, he was a coach. He said, the game's 90% mental, 10% physical. And at first, I was like, oh, you got to be smart to play the game. 
but we already talked about it. Really, the, the mental part is, you know, showing up. It's showing up every day, consistently every day. Mm-hmm. Having a routine every day, eating right every day, hydrating right every day. It's like small things. You can't you can't miss out on one thing. So the way I look at it is, you know, if I'm going to be somebody that wants to compete with world class athletes, mm-hmm. when there might be some limitations of my athletic ability, um, which I'm more athletic than people think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people think I'm like whatever. I'm a little more athletic than some people think. He's waiting to get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But listen, listen, I'm more athletic than people think. But the thing is, like, there is people that are faster, stronger, bigger, smarter than I am. The thing that makes me different, and I try to be different, mm-hmm. is my effort and my consistency and my determination and my commitment and the stuff that is controllable. Because yep. realistically, the things that really make someone different, make someone a great or make someone super successful, a millionaire or, you know, have a happy marriage or have, you know, a nice house and car and stuff like that. People like goals that people have, the people that obtain those are people that just do the controllables. Mm-hmm. There's no special recipe. I always hate when people are like, oh, like, how can I get stronger? And you tell them what to do. And they don't do it. Like, nah, nah, nah. Like, I saw this. I saw this shake on TikTok. It's not like that. Like, Mm -hmm. life is about hard work, man. Mm -hmm. And like today, like you said, like today's generation, really the biggest difference are the people that want to work hard. Mm -hmm. I saw a Joe Rogan podcast, and he's like, really, if you're a savage today, like a savage as a male, you could roll over anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody, one, people will back down if you show some form of like aggression or some form of like confidence. And they'll back down and you just step over them, figuratively step over them. But if you just work hard, man, and you just willingly accept the pain, like winter workouts, go back to that. My saying in winter workouts, kind of have a saying for everything. Winter workouts was chase Chase the pain. pain. Chase the pain. Chase the pain, I like that. (laughs) I mean, your body hurts, man. Your Mm -hmm. legs hurt. You're sweating. You can't see. You got turf pellets in your eyes. You're squirting water. I never get that post. Oh, my God. I had John Sutherland when he was here. Yeah. I'd have him smack me across the face halfway through hard as hell. Oh, and the reason I, I did that, that was like, <laughs> you're pushing your body to the brink. So if you chase that pain, man, and just continue to get that like that feeling of satisfaction, mm-hmm. you'll be so surprised what you can do and so surprised about the success that you yeah. can like obtain. I'll tell sure. you, I'll tell you this. To the people back home who think Chick-fil-A breakfast is good, <laughs> you don't know how good Chick-fil-A breakfast is until you're completely I'm talking about, yeah. and then this is no exaggeration. You finish the winter workout. Your body is literally completely yeah. numb. You cannot feel anything anymore. You cannot see for real. It's like the most out of this body, out of this world experience. Mm-hmm. You go tire pool with no juice left. Win, lose, draw. You made it through another winter workout. You did it at a high level. <laughs> yeah. Driving to Chick Fil A after that for a burrito, man. Some little what do they call them? The chicken minis, dog. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. You think Chick Fil A is good until you do that, man. It's yeah. a whole different level. It's beautiful. Beautiful okay, experience. Man. Elson, a couple other questions for you. You know, yeah. I, I would be remiss if we didn't ask him. Um, number one, you know, as a guy who came in with a loaded linebacker room, a lot of young talent, talent nonetheless, who was the guy that you looked at as the example, as a guy you tried to mold some of your habits off of? Oh, that's tough. Uh, that's really hard. It I think Jesse. Have, wait, it doesn't have to just be a linebacker too, though. Yeah, yeah. could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll go in the room. Um, Jesse Lucetta. Yeah. He kind of took me under his wing. He was an older guy. He played DN linebacker here. He was a guy that, you know, he was good enough to be on the field, and the coaches knew that, and they found a way to put him on the field because he was so selfless. And I think that's super respectable. Yep. The way he went about his business in the film room on the field, um, even socially, I thought he was a very charismatic guy. So I think that's definitely a guy. But even now, like, this is a guy that's under me, technically under me a year. I think in high school we are the same class, but he reclassed. But Dom DeLuca, yeah, man. Like yeah, I know man. he his name gets thrown around a lot at Penn State, but that guy is like if you talk about a Penn State story and everything he's been able to accomplish up to this point, yeah, it is so like it is magnificent. And I think like just being able to be his friend and like seeing how he works and talks to people and just his commitment, but also like this 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 confidence that like hey like no matter what life throws at me, we talked about adversity before. No matter what they throw at me. Like, I'm going to find a way. So I think Jesse Lucetta, before I got here, and I had a bunch of guys. They're just two guys. I could name dozens, but, and then Dom DeLuca now. So I think those two for sure. Yeah. And that's just from the football aspect of it. Socially, yeah. breaking through grounds, breaking through ice to get in here and really like understand the culture of his team, 
Yeah. What do you think really set the example for you to, you know, mix with the guys? Culture of this team. That's mm-hmm. you. No. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Well, like, talk- no, we talked about it. Like, we're, we're best friends. Like, we've been roommates since we got here. Like, I'm not – like, I talk a lot now. Like, I'm chatty now. But when I first got here, I didn't talk a lot. I didn't really have a lot of friends. And if it wasn't for, like, Nick, if it wasn't for you, dog, like – I probably wouldn't be talking to anybody. Yeah, like, I was kind of, like, low-key, like, all the time. And then you kind of pushed me outside my comfort zone. Like, I probably would have never done something like this, like, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for you. So, and, like, I mean, the coaches talk about it all the time, too, about you. Like, you do it socially, obviously. Yep. But you do it off the field. I mean, like, you talked about your brand, but also, like, your nonprofit stuff and, like, everything you do in the community. Like, that stuff's commendable. You do it in the classroom. Like, you're a guy that, that you literally have done it all, but you've done it all, like, the right way, and I think it's super commendable, and I'm just, you know, I'm happy to be your best friend, dog, so. Man, I appreciate you saying that, though, but realistically, I didn't push you to do anything. This is your true character, and this is who you are, man. I didn't yeah. I didn't push you to do anything. This is you, yourself, and you're such an individual to the point where people want to be around you, and yeah. people want to learn from you, and I think that the big thing was guys... When you don't talk, when you come in, you have that mysterious factor, guys. Oh, yeah, what's his deal? What's he got going on? What's yeah, he building? Yeah, my hands are the boots on, the camo hat. Yeah, it's yeah. like in the locker room. Like you go in the locker room, guys got on like random design. Now, in the days of NIL, especially, yeah. we got guys with designer stuff on. We yeah. got guys with spider hoodies. We got guys with with stuff that I don't even think celebrities can afford. Uh-huh. And then you got L's and good old muddy blue jeans collar yesterday, with, man. With bloody, muddy <laughs> jeans and. And a cowboy hat, like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And I think that adds to who you are because you don't, you never try to conform or change to um, what we had, like what guys were doing, and, and this. You are who you are, and you are your true person. Yeah. And I think um, more people need to see that and understand that. Yeah. Right. I'm so happy you were able to hop on here. Yeah, and I appreciate what you got going no, on. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate it. Definitely a privilege to have you. Before we close out, I mean, to your point, that Penn State locker room, man. There's not a lot of places you can go. Franklin also says this, where it's like, you can be a cowboy with bloody jeans who likes ice baths, or you can be a mean Vanover in a Spider-Man hoodie zipped up to his forehead, and everybody is each other's homeboy, and they have each other's back. And I think we'd be uh, an even better country if we could reflect that in even more places where we're able to. It's a beautiful part of Penn State football. Need more locker rooms. Need more locker rooms, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for tuning in to the Lions Den, our seventh episode. My guy, Tyler Elson, joining us. Stay tuned for more content from State Media and the Lions Den pod itself. And make sure to go cop some merch from the link in the, in the bio below. Um, and we'll continue to bring you the best content that Penn State is able to provide, man.